And we're back. Welcome back to the religion of environmentalism. Today on our episode, we will be interviewing Jay Camlet. This is a really cool interview for me because this is the person who has made the most impact on my religious beliefs. And so I am really excited to be here um, with you and with everyone listening. So welcome, Dad. Hi, daughter. How's it going? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we were just talking about how this is a different environment for us, different to see each other as professionals instead of dad daughter. Correct. So, but this isn't your first time on a podcast. It is not, but I promise not to cuss as much on this one as uh. I did on the last. <laughs> what was your last podcast about? I spoke about uh, being a lawyer and how mm. you run a business as a lawyer. So this one's a little bit different. <laughs> If I use a couple curse words, is that going to be a problem? No, okay. it's perfect. I actually have a bleep out noise, so I'd love to use it. So okay. don't even worry about it. Uh, again, not every other word like the other time. Good, All good. Right. <laughs> perfect. So tell us a little bit about your background, whether it's related to religion or not. So uh, I am a practicing real estate attorney for the last 30 plus years. I've been a practicing Jew for my whole 57 years on this earth and have, was raised in an uh, Orthodox household and grew up learning uh, the Torah and Talmud and all the other scriptures that the Jews uh, learn from when they're learning uh, about their religion and the customs in our religion. And I have uh, uh, been active in the Jewish community for about as long as I've been practicing law. Yeah, what are you doing right now? What are your leadership roles? I know that you had experience with the Jewish experience in Denver. You were the president for five plus years. What are you doing now with the Jewish community in Denver? Uh, I just stepped off uh, the role, my role as, as the chairman of the Jewish experience, uh, which is an outreach program. Uh, trying to reach out to Jews that aren't affiliated with synagogues and teach them some of the beauty uh, the beauty of the religion and the teachings and the wisdom and now I just serve on the board uh, just a general board member I've been involved in many Jewish organizations in Denver uh, over the course of my life and believe strongly in giving back to the community so that uh, I feel like I can leave a legacy uh, for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren as my great-grandparents, grandparents, and parents left for me. Who do you think had that big impact on you to make you feel as though you wanted to give back so much to the Jewish community? Well, both of my grandparents on both sides, my mother's and father's sides, were both very active in Jewish uh, philanthropy and civic uh, engagement. The my father and mother have both been also involved so it's a it's a legacy uh, where I feel like I need to continue their good works it's a concept in Judaism called Lador Vador uh, from generation to generation it really is the original environmental credo uh, uh, it's basically the concept is very simple that you plant a tree so that you're uh, the next generations can can feed off the fruits and uh, it really is a, a concept that was ingrained in me and I hope ingrained in you 
and it's something that I just feel very passionate about. Wow, it's amazing. Yes, I think that you have definitely been the person that has made me feel as though I want to continue giving back to the Jewish community. It's the reason why I'm so active in the Jewish community in high school and less in college, but still a little bit. Um, and so it's really cool to hear that it really has come from a lineage of our family and has really made us who we are and made us part of the Denver Jewish community. So it's really cool. Well, I also think it's broader. Uh, we do a lot with the general community, this, the city and county of Denver and, and beyond. I've uh, been involved in many non-Jewish organizations. I'm involved as a Rotarian. Uh, the Rotary Club is an organization, an international organization that is known for its good works uh, the, all around the world. And we're right now trying to find a, not find a cure, we're trying to make sure that everybody has a polio vaccination in every part of the world. Wow. That's our mission uh, as a Rotary Club. And so, but people are doing great works all over, the, over, all over the world, building water treatment facilities in Africa and uh, work in, in the Baltic uh, countries and in the Balkan countries, all over. Uh, there's every city I know has a has a Rotary Club, uh, so it's not a it's not a uh, an American concept. It's really a world concept. Wow, that's amazing to hear, and it's amazing to hear that you're integrating so much into the environment. I really didn't know that about the this organization. So tell me more about how you've explained to us a little bit about how religion plays into your daily life. And now you're starting to get into the environment. How does thinking about the environment, thinking about climate change, play into your everyday life and lifestyle and thinking? Well, I've been very concerned about climate change since the 80s when it first started to be talked about on a more frequent basis. I used to read all the articles I could about uh, cow flatulence and how that was uh, contributing. That was what they were talking about was cow flatulence. They weren't talking about the coal burning and the... And the the uh, uh, explosion of, of fossil fuel consumption and how that was going to affect the, the uh, environment uh, to such a great degree as it is now, as we're now seeing. So uh, this topic's been very important to me for, for over 40 years. Uh, it's just, I, I was never active in my, um, in my, in my social world uh, in trying to prevent what's what we're seeing now, to my regret. <laughs> well, you did raise us really well. I know that my water consumption is based on how you always turn off the sink, you always say don't run the water, and I know with my roommates now, that's the biggest thing is I'm like, please turn off the water faucet, don't run it, like, you gotta stop. Yeah, that was always my big shtick. Yeah. Uh, Energy. It was funny because lights, leaving lights on, was not as big in my mind. Uh, whereas, whereas my wife and your mom, uh, uh, it's always like turn the lights off. So, well, it's a good combination then. No, it's a it good, good. Let's save water. Yep, good yin and yang. Well, amazing. So, do you think that with such a strong religious background and being concerned about the environment since the eighties? Do you think that you've ever seen overlapped? You just talked about Lador Vador a little bit, but have you ever felt as though Judaism has instilled in you some environmental practices or have you ever been to a sermon or Sunday teaching 
that has talked about the environment and the importance of it in Judaism? Yeah, yeah. over the years, for sure, uh, a lot of the rabbis I've listened to talk about the importance of um, how you, how you, uh, some of the Talmudic uh, uh, scriptures that that talk about the environment. For instance, uh, there's a requirement that you uh, let your fields, uh, lay your, let your fields go fallow every seven years. So basically you rotate your fields. So they were also the first in rotation, crop rotation, and to leave it sit for a year where you don't, where you don't till it, and you leave it to, to regenerate. So that's, that was also another concept that I learned uh, through Judaism. Um, as well as again, not wasting uh, to to give charity uh, back in in the Torah it talks about giving a tenth of your of your uh, crop to for to poor to people who don't have food. Uh, again, it was an agrarian society when the when these scriptures were being uh, written uh, and talked about and passed along. So uh, everything dealt with the land and and agriculture and and um, the seasons so uh, it was it was always about the environment um, and, and so so again there's a lot of teachings through Judaism that that talk about how you treat the land as well as other people mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting this is actually the seventh year that you're not supposed to touch your agricultural crop so it will be interesting to see it in Israel and to see how it happens. I was talking to the farmers at camp this summer about the pros of it and they really were like, this is very important to do for your land, um, really important for the environment. So it is really cool that Judaism talked about that, emphasized it. I do wonder what are the negative repercussions with it for people? You know, we always have to think about the triple bottom line of people, environment, economy. So it makes me wonder what where do people in israel because the largest jewish state where are they going to get their food from and so it just is an interesting concept well thankfully we have a global supply uh, chain so so if you don't grow something one year you can get it from another part of the world mm-hmm. uh, as we do here in america uh, it was an interesting topic uh, about seven years ago the last uh, the last time when when Jews were not supposed to till their land, uh, and a lot of people in Israel continued to farm, mm. and there was a massive, massive flood, that, or, or there was some serious, I can't remember if it was a flood or other, some other environmental uh, catastrophe that wiped out all of the crops that were being grown. So the wow. people who, you know, the people who were following that rule said, see, you know, they basically said, see, God, God wanted it. So... That was just an interesting uh, side note uh, wow. that the people who didn't uh, who didn't rotate their who did rotate their crops uh, skated a, a close call. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What obligation do you think that Judaism and rabbis and Jewish leaders have? to play in climate change? What obligations do you think that they have? Well, again, it's just spreading the word. It's just saying, listen, you know, this dates back 3,700 years uh, to when the Torah was written uh, and beyond, and every every generation since then, that we've told you so, uh, that it's written that we believe God's laid out these rules for you to follow, and, and he means it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there'll be repercussions if you're not. So... 
it's mostly an educational uh, obligation, which they love to do. Most of the rabbis that I that I study with love to teach and love to bring those old customs and, and requirements into modern day thinking. So it's really relating things in the Torah and the Talmud and, and the Gomorrah and all these other uh, works of, of Judaic scholarship and making it practical on a day-to-day -day basis for our lives in this modern world. So it's very cool when you can relate something where somebody talked about it 3,700 years ago to what's happening right now, despite all the changes in, in culture and technology. Uh, you know, going back to the roots is, <laughs> is pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty good lesson to learn. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you think that rabbis have the education that they need to be able to teach about modern climate change? Of course, we have our old customs, which is really important to emphasize, as you just talked about with tilling the soil every seven years. But do you think with modern day, what research has come, do you think that cur current scholars and leaders in Judaism have the education that they need to teach oh, about yeah, it? For sure. And again, their access to, to information is has never been more, uh, or more been more fruitful with um, all the writings and all the you know. It's really a matter of synthesizing all that information and putting it into into a, a relatable sermon. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Again, it just depends on what their passions are. If they're passionate about about uh, the environment, then they'll incorporate that think that that teaching into their uh, Judaic teachings. So I find rabbis to be very scholarly, uh, and the ones I particularly like are very scholarly. And and if this was of interest to them, they would definitely pull together all the resources they could to to um, integrate that that information into their teachings. Yeah. Of course. Do you think even if they did all that work to integrate these environmental teachings into their Jewish teachings, that if you think of your communities, your Jewish communities, your friends, they would actually listen and make a change? Or do you think that it would be, this was an amazing sermon, I'm going to go continue to live the life that I'm living, and someone else will deal with it? Uh, it really just depends on the person. You know, I'm influenced a lot by my rabbis, so when they say certain things should be done certain ways, I tend to follow those um, a lot. And uh, I, again, that's it's always going to be the person. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they have the ability to influence many people at a time because of the way they deliver their information yeah. through these sermons and through you know, group group uh, discussion. Yeah. And uh, I, I think they can be very impactful if they want it to be. Yeah. Most definitely. I just went to a reform service on Saturday, which we grew up going to an Orthodox synagogue and then kind of transitioned to a more conservative. And then now just in Boulder, it's mostly the reform synagogue. And I thought it was really interesting because I didn't know that a pillar in the reform synagogue is tikkun olam, which is to repair our world. Um, and so it will be interesting to continue going to that synagogue, seeing more reform Jews and kind of seeing the differences between the branches. Well, Tikkun Olam is, is not a it's it's universal Judaic concept. It's it's in every it's in the Orthodox, Conservative, and um, Reform movements. Uh, now they may spend more time in the Reform movement 
may spend more emphasis on that than in the Orthodox or in the conservative, but uh, that's nice to hear that they've chosen the environment. Now, again, Orthodox Jews want to follow the scriptures to the, to the letter. Uh, Reformed Judaism, Reformed Jews tend to love the culture of Judaism, not so much the dogmatic orthodoxy of, of Judaism. So I'm not surprised that that uh, the environment's playing a bigger part in the reform movement than it does in the other movements, uh, which is great. Yeah. But again, it's Tikkun Olam is a is a universally accepted um, uh, concept, and uh, everybody they just want to repair the world in a different way. I'll just say it that way. They see they put more emphasis. The Orthodox puts more emphasis on following uh, the letter of the Torah to to the nth degree. Whereas the whereas the reform, again, are more liberal in their interpretation of the scriptures and uh, and how they want to apply them. Hmm. Yeah, so, really interesting. Yeah. Do you think our consumeristic society has a lot to play into it? So even if you're learning all these things in reform, and you just said, you know, we talked about the agricultural tilling the farm. You want to live everything to the T to the scripture really in the scripture god is saying you want to live you you want to coexist with nature yeah. really it's not about dominating nature which our consumeristic society is doing so do you think that that has a lot to do with it and that orthodox and reform and conservative can only do so much to say we need to coexist but because the way yeah. that we live our lives it's not working that way wow it's it's a loaded question that's a big question. Uh, yes, I mean yes, consumeristic. You know, we all want to live a good life. We all want to live the life we want to live. Um, honestly, again, I think the Orthodox live a very austere. The true Orthodox live a very austere life. So, um, so I can't I can't say that they. Uh, they tend to procreate quite a bit, uh, so they have a lot more children than probably uh, a more liberal uh, reform Jew might, uh, because they believe in procreation and continuing the the faith and through their children. Um, so that in and of itself is an environmental issue, uh, but they aren't as materialistic as maybe a reform Jew would be, who wants a Mercedes Benz instead of a. Or maybe the reformed Jew wants a, a Tesla. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I'm sure again, it all comes down to the individual. But as a as a society, as a people, as a as a religion, uh, it, we're not focused on on consumerism and materialism as a as an objective, as a goal in mind. If, again, that, that that it would be frowned upon to have too much. Uh, in, Judaism, in strict Judaism, but um, today's Jews are are, are not uh, inhibited in their materialistic uh, objectives. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. But um, more Orthodox Jews actually want less. You know, it's not about a consumeristic mindset. So that was a great perspective too. Um, well, those are all my questions. Anything else you wanna? 
tell everyone or wrap up with anything you've been thinking about or wanting to tell about the connection between religion and the environment? Well, I think there's a lot to learn uh, about the environment through religion and vice versa. Uh, and I think they're not, they're certainly not in opposition to one another. I don't know of any religion that wouldn't uh, put, put uh, the earth and, and the surroundings and people and, and nature uh, on the same level as, as any other uh, concern for, for, uh, for others. So, again, I think Judaism has a lot to offer. I think the study of Judaism and the teachings of Judaism has a lot to offer in the environmental, conscientious world. And I think it's vice versa. And I think people who are open to learning uh, Judaism are also open to learning environmentalism. Uh, So uh, they're definitely copacetic uh, philosophies. That was a great closing thought. Thank you so much for being here with us and thank you for listening. And that's all from us. Back to you, Jessica.